Welcome to the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast with your host, Eve Mayer. Join Eve and her guests each week as they discuss how to live a healthier, longer, and more fulfilling life through fasting, keto, and low-carb feasting. Hello, and welcome to Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. We exist to help you live healthier, longer and more fulfilling lives through fasting and low carb feasting. We're going to cover all kinds of topics related to intermittent and extended fasting, a ketogenic diet, and all topics that help or hinder those two things. Each week, we're going to be here to educate you, challenge you, and encourage you along the way. You can check us out at fastinglane.com. And where can they find us on Twitter and Instagram? On Twitter and Instagram, we are at fastinglane. Levi is my co-host today, and he's going to tell us a little bit about our guest, Larry Diamond. So our guest today is Larry Diamond. Larry is a low-carb and fasting advocate based in Austin. He's a coach with the IDM program, uh, started by Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos, which is based in Toronto. And he believes that lifestyle medicine is the fundamental healing medicine, one that addresses root causes and solutions holistically and systemically. So Larry, thank you so much for joining us today. We're thrilled to have you here. Thank you, guys. And we got to meet Larry recently at Low Carb Houston, very briefly, but we'd heard a bit about him before through the IDM program. If you're listening and you've heard us before, I think you already know that we are worshipers, would be a good word, of <laughs> Dr. Jason Fung, the Obesity Code, the Diabetes Code, the Complete Guide to Fasting, and Megan Ramos, and big fans of the IDM program. And Larry is part of that program. So, Larry, I've just met you a couple times. You're super skinny. And my assumption of skinny people and fit people is that they have always been in this perfect ethereal way of life with this perfect body. Larry, tell me a little bit about your history and um, if you've always been super hot like this. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, actually, not only was I morbidly obese for over 20 years, I actually spent over 10 years over super, super morbidly obese, which means over a 50 BMI. And for the 20 years, and actually I had a um, right the day before I made changes that haven't stopped for five years, I was actually at a concert. And this was my reality for 20 years. As um, the obesity epidemic I've always lived in the US has become, Typically on any given day, I had the highest BMI of anyone I would meet that day. So I happened to be at a concert. So I wasn't just overweight. I was actually usually, although I, I think there's now unfortunately more super, super morbidly obese. I, I've been obese most of my adult life. I'm 5'9". I was over 350 for 10 years. And then I was between... 260 and 300 for over 10 more years. So Larry, I used to be 300 pounds and I understand what you're talking about because at 300 pounds, I went to Japan and I think I never experienced a more stark representation of how different I was from everyone around me because it was one thing to be 300 pounds in the US. It was a whole nother thing to be 300 pounds in a country where most people were a healthier weight. And I realized um, what an oddity I was. And I realized exactly what you're talking about when you walk into every room and you're almost always the heaviest person in there. Um, and, and so now I wanna hear your journey of how, 
how did that change? What made you decide to, to change the way you lived and, and how did you get here? Sure, so um, it has both what I would say unhappy elements and fear, but also joy and hope and very um, happy elements to it. So um, in retrospect, I've been around hyperinsulinemia, metabolic syndrome my entire life. My, uh, I come from a very small family and we're kind of um, switch hitters in a way that um, we get both physical and mental difficulties on the standard modern diet, standard Western diet, or standard American diet. Um, my grandmother passed when I was seven in her early 60s from uh, type 2 diabetes after she had her leg amputated. And then, so my family was very small. It was my mom who always struggled with mental issues. My uncle, who was my best friend and father figure growing up, who called himself a depressive depressive. In uh, retrospect, I think that was largely lifestyle driven because I've, I've had lifelong depression that has been solved with fasting, keto, and uh, paleo real food, low carb. So um, he uh, retired and we were trying, we in fact bought our house with his help and we chose our floor model to have him move in with us. But he declined, even though almost on a daily basis, I was calling him and saying, hey, we'll help you move, we'll help you move. So we didn't know this. So we visited him after about four or five years of retirement. And he had pretty obvious, um, fairly advanced dementia at that point. Um, and we couldn't get him to move at that point. About five months later, he was kind of admitted by strangers to a hospital because at that point he could clearly no longer take care of himself. So I had to fly out to Los Angeles where I was born from Austin. He was the kindest, warmest human being I've ever met. Um, but he was actually under guard in the hospital because he did not know where he was and he was clearly agitated. So that was one of the most traumatic, um, sorrowful experiences of my life. Um, we brought him, he lived with us for about a year, almost exactly a year. And about six months into that experience, it took what had happened to him for me to finally decide to make health my priority. And one of the things, I'm an environmental scientist, so I decided to throw everything out I had ever heard about health and nutrition, decided to follow no one. And I literally sat at my computer one day and I, I didn't tell my wife this, but I said, this is the science project of a lifetime. Figure out how to heal or, or die. I um, had an epiphany. I was 47 at that point, almost a vision that I was going to pass by 50, actually before my uncle. And my wife was in very ill health. So we had adopted our daughter. We were too sick to conceive. Um, that's a whole nother story. We can talk about that. But we went through the foster system and it's she is the joy of our life and um she is a real food kid and it's been amazing to see her thrive and all this knowledge i've acquired i've been able to share with my wife and daughter and it's been the happiest thing that's ever happened to me so there was that sadness and i hate i absolutely hate 
that part of my motivation to get healthy was to see what my uncle was going through. I know he'd be proud of it, but I have a big regret that I didn't think that health was possible and I didn't go on this journey in time to at least give him the option to present the science to him. He was very much um, a scientist. He has a mathematics degree from Berkeley and was a systems analyst for his whole life. I just wish I had given him a chance to adopt it, but I'm sure he would be thrilled, just amazed at um, what we've been able to do. Larry, thank you so much for sharing that with us. How old is your daughter now? She is eight. She's eight. And she's a real food kid, meaning she eats the same way that you and your wife eat now. Is that right? She eats real food that works for her. So she's in a different context than us. She's literally growing. And one of the joys, um, uh, specifically, before we switch to real food, she has a genetic deletion that's associated with small stature. And she had a test on human growth hormone. And it was at the very lowest level before it was considered out of range. And her geneticists thought that she might only get to be about four and a half feet tall max. Um, so they were considering giving her human growth hormone at two or three, those painful shots. So she was third percentile for height when we were eating the a fairly good quality, but still standard Western diet. And uh, she's now about 50th percentile for height. Awesome. So that, that's rock and roll right there. That's, uh, that's, and uh, she's continued to get fewer and fewer colds. Her bio mom was homeless. She was behind the eight ball. And now, honestly, she is about the healthiest kid that, at least in our circle of kids that we know. So that's the power of real food and knowledge about um, lifestyle. But so she doesn't fast as much as me and my wife. But um, she, on the other hand, she doesn't have fruit juice. She doesn't have that much high um, fructose containing fruit. She has tomatoes, avocados, and cucumbers, and then wild blueberries. Um, so, and she has treats in the actual sense of a hundred years ago, what a kid would have as an actual treat, not as a daily, multiple day dietary uh, input. <laughs> so Larry, I think your story is interesting because it started with you. It started with the change you wanted to make in your life. And, um, you know, I'll share a little bit about Levi and I. I think that our journey into keto and fasting was fair to say started by me. Yeah. Um, I have definitely struggled with obesity my whole life. Levi's been a little overweight here and there, but an athlete, and like as you can see, if you're watching the video, crazy hot. So he hasn't <laughs> yeah. had to worry about it as much, but um, you know, we've taken this journey together and it's really motivating. And I know there's a lot of people out there who have a partner or have a spouse or have a roommate who doesn't understand or isn't supportive or is very concerned. And so could you tell us a bit about, of course, you and I are dealing with the best case scenario where your partner joins you and goes along that, that journey. Can you tell us a bit about how you approached your wife about this and what you said? Because of course, I think even it's even tougher sometimes, I think for men to say, hey, would you like to go on this weight loss journey with me, right? I, I feel like a lot of yeah. times guys might be more open sometimes to that. So can you tell me about that? What, what was that like when you approached your wife about this and, and how, how did you take this journey together? 
and uh, men are also super annoying to women because on average, we have uh, more initial uh, fat loss. Yeah, y'all suck a lot. It's really <laughs> yeah, we, yeah it, there's so much, you know, where do we start? But uh, um, I'm glad you brought this up because I think it's actually one of the things I've brought up in other podcasts that I've done. And to me, I've, I've met so many people and interacted with so many people, um, strangers, lifelong friends, family, coworkers. And to me, um, the science and getting the science right um, is super important for success. But in terms of people deciding to heal or not, it's so much more than the science. It's so much more than that. And one of the keys, and my wife thanks me all the time. First, um, I helped her, but she saved herself. She was also very metabolically damaged. And I think she may not actually have been around just like me now without this journey. So we were both very, very sick. Um, she saved herself, but I served her with my example. And it's called finding your why when you find your why. And it can be a mixture of positive and negative. It can be fear and hope. <laughs> it, it is a combination for a lot of people. I call it go time. There's very, very few, even me and my wife seem to have a very close relationship and make each other happy and compliment each other very well. It's not always perfect, <laughs> but it's a very, we call it being better together. And, and we're, we're very fortunate to have that um, in our lives. She was not ready. Her go time was not my go time. So I actually, this was an important part. I remember when I had reached my go time, it was May, 2013. I specifically had this thought, I cannot, if my partner, my life, my best friend, whether or not she's ready now, I have to do this for me and for the family. And had I not done that, she says, we don't know where we'd be both as individuals and the three of us. We call it the power of three. She was very supportive, but she was not ready to go all in, which I actually think would be more common. But what she was very supportive of, one day I said, we're never buying uh, bread or pasta ever again. <laughs> and she gave me two thumbs up. So she was all in on that. We changed how we ate at home, but she was not in to changing at her work or social engagements like I was. And then interestingly enough, I never brought up fat loss to her. What I found, which was super empowering, was my appetite came down naturally. And for somebody who was always hungry, always hungry, and it confused the heck out of me. How do I have this 150, 200 pounds of extra weight, yet I'm always hungry? And Dr. Um, Fung and uh, Megan can tell you exactly like uh, why that is. And IDM can tell you why that is. Um, it's not commonly known, but I knew that I was always hungry. And then after uh, a couple weeks, that constant hunger went away. And what I wanted for her, I kept saying, "Hun, this is an incredible upgrade to life, not living constantly hungry. So I didn't even mention the weight or the fat loss to her. But I, I did, I was so passionate about wanting her to feel the freedom of not being constantly hungry that I was kind of annoying. I was like, <laughs> I, I was in my annoying, annoying phase. But, but I think it's really interesting. So I know as, as Eve and I entered this journey, she, 
I don't know if extreme personality might not be the right way to describe it, but she tends to jump off the cliff all at once. And I'm, I'm more of a climb down to the bottom uh, type of person. So she did research and read the obesity code and immediately tried a, a multi-day fast because why not? Let's, let's just get right into the deep end. And mm -hmm. I, I, much similar to your wife, like I was very supportive and, and it was easy at home when we were cooking to say, you know, if, if you're cooking, I will certainly eat whatever you're making. I'm happy to not buy the bread and pasta, but I would still have a cheeseburger for lunch when I was, was at the office or, or do something like that. Um, and eventually, you know, you see the benefits and you come along and you start adopting slowly, step by step, the, the process. Um, and it's interesting to hear other people going through something similar. But having that support there, I know, is, is incredibly valuable because I can't imagine going through an environment where you're preparing two completely separate dinners when you're at home or you're shopping on two completely separate lists and, and trying to ignore that half of the refrigerator for a while. Yeah, and we've we've met people we call them mixed couples. <laughs> I didn't know that. I love that. That do do that. So uh, uh, Levi, thank you for supporting Eve, and I'm indebted to my wife for supporting me because that that's not always the case. You would think that's always the case, but I I've met plenty of couples where that's not the case, and we had another advantage with our daughter. She was too, as I mentioned when we started. So she really couldn't put up a teenage resistance to uh, switching the real food. Yeah. So we, under, we understand we were lucky with the timing on that. <laughs> well, Larry, our daughter is just turned 12 today. And, um, you know, you would think we were having a little of the teenagery behavior beginning, but my daughter had been sick every month, I would say, or at least every other month, but usually every month at the doctor, upper respiratory infections, major allergy issues, bronchitis. And my whole life, I've been like that too, as a child, as an adult, mm -hmm. sick probably every other month and on antibiotics and sick. And I remember years ago telling my kid, you, you got to get up and go to school. You're five years old, but this is your life. We are just a sick family. We are just sick and you still have to go to school and you still have to get things done. And if you're not, if you don't have fever and you feel bad, you just have to power through and I'm sorry, but this is how life is. And she saw that as I started eating keto and started doing fasting, I stopped getting sick. I've been sick once in a year, which has never mm -hmm. happened to me in my, it's never happened. And she just sat there and she watched it. And I, I asked Levi, you know, like, what do I do? Like, I want to take her along this journey. He said, just wait, just, just do it in front of her and just see what happens and tell him what happened. Yeah. I mean, we, when, when I met our daughter, she's my stepdaughter, but when I met her, she was about eight years old and and candy was a thing that we just had around. And I finally told her like, you get one per day. Like that's perfectly fine. You wanna have one sweet per day. So that was the only hard rule I set down for it. And she really admires her mom and looks up to her and, and sees her as a role model. And so I said like, you are modeling behavior. And I know I have older children from a previous life. And so I know, they watch everything. They hear everything you say. They may not act like they do. They may not, you know, act like they respect what you're doing, but the, they take it all in and they process it. And, and you have that advantage. So I said, just wait. So now she, when she eats lunch at school, she still eats a dessert every day, but now she eats salad instead of the panini. Um, she eats, you know, uh, meat instead of soup. 
that has lentils in it or something like that. And she's, you know, she slowly started asking questions about, well, why do you guys eat this and not that? And, you know, I, I've heard other people say that bacon is bad for you. Why do you guys eat so much bacon? Like, well, these are the reasons. And then because she asked the question, it wasn't us forcing that down her throat. It was us, you know, just providing information and her observing and, and she's come along. She, I think she eats what we eat when we're at home. We don't, again, we don't have a separate shopping list or a separate set of meals for her. We don't have sugar in the house. We, we don't, don't have bread in the house. Now, when she, yeah. when she goes out, much like I did at the beginning of this, um, when she's at school and there's a piece of cake, we, we don't say, don't have cake. We, we don't say, you know, if it's somebody's birthday party and there's a cupcake, like, you just can't do that because we don't do that. Because that would, there's a lot of issues wrapped up with that in social scenarios. But she is very slowly coming along and she absolutely noticed that she doesn't get sick as much anymore and she has more energy she has more yeah. mental clarity there and she notices it's like my homework isn't as hard as it was before Our, <laughs> these are the kind of comments we're hearing so yeah i told her it, you know kids observe everything and, it, and if you model that behavior for them then whether you mean to model it or not, that's the behavior they're going to adopt. And she has been sick once in the past yeah. six months, which also has never <laughs> happened again. And she is actually, I don't even know if I told you this, but she has actually told me, thank you for learning this stuff oh. and for teaching you this stuff. Because like, quite honestly, she didn't want to grow up and be overweight. She didn't want to grow up and be healthy. You know, she's 12 years old. She cares about, she's just starting to care about how she looks, right? And she's like, I'm, I'm never going to have to go through all those things that you went through. So thank you for teaching me that. And like, part of me was so touched by hearing that. And then part of me still was like, well, crud, I am the person who taught you all the bad things in the first place. And I just apologized. And I said, I just didn't know. And Larry, I'm sorry. I think that's what you were saying before that it's that it's that bittersweet mixture of motivations, right? There's, there's the, the, the fear and the, and the hope that go together to, to take you on that journey. So Larry, we have five minutes left. And what I want to talk about is your relative that you said that lived with you and taught you these things and you wish you, you would have you know, change things. It sounds like this person gave you an incredible gift, your entire family, an incredible gift of knowledge that you began down this journey to seek. But I'd like you to share, you know, what you were doing full time and what you've recently made the choice to do full time and why, because it sounds like this relative is, is part of what brought you to where you are now. Right, right. And, and he was, he, unfortunately, he taught me to be a great scientist. <laughs> um, but he, um, unfortunately had, he was the one with severe dementia. So what I mentioned earlier is that I had many decades where I could have, I felt, discovered some of this. And I wish that I had put my mind and energy towards um, thinking about um, chronic illness and, and diabetes and obesity. He was um, very obese um, earlier so that I could have presented it to him when he still had the faculties to, to make a choice. I'm very cognizant now, having observed my interactions with people for five years, and it's very common, like you were mentioning with your daughter, for it to be long-term and to stick, it has to be intrinsic motivation. I think, be that a 12-year-old or an 82-year-old, um, we all have access, hopefully, to good information. People do live in food deserts, um, but if they don't, most people have access to healing food. 
but it comes down to that intrinsic motivation, which can also be extrinsic in terms of wanting to be your best and so forth. But yes, I had a government job that I was very proud of that I helped. Um, it's a important job. It was actually um, wastewater permitting for the state of Texas. So no development, nothing works if people can't flush their toilets. And, uh, and so it, it, it was an absolute necessity, is an absolute necessity for society. But as I healed, it, it didn't challenge me as much. Number one, my brain kind of came online. I became more of, I think I'm very much an extrovert, although I love research and reading. So I'm this, I, I like my combination of extrovert and introvert, but it became too introverted for me. And then I had all these passions to want to pay it forward. So it's interesting that you mentioned my uncle. Um, he passed in a couple years ago and I could not heal or get over that until I accepted my responsibility and what happened to him. So I call it, if there's this great tradition in Ireland called the Hound of Ulster. So people should look up the Hound of Ulster. As a young man, he inadvertently by mistake killed a hound in the chieftain's house. This hound protected the chieftain's house. It was a mistake, he didn't do it intentionally, but he decided, he took on this, what he called a sacred burden. So it wasn't actually a burden, but even though it was a mistake and he didn't intend this, he became the hound of his people. And so in order for me to be my best, I almost feel it's a sacred burden, but it's not really a burden because I'm freely wanting to do this. So IDM has an opportunity. They're doing amazing work. I've been training with them. I can see every day that I'm in training that they're helping people transform their lives, um, get off medications, become the person that they always dreamed of being, actually exceeding people's expectations on what they can live in terms of wellness and health. And I love the slogan is progress, not perfection, and that they invest people, they require people to do 11 hours of training before they can even sit down with a health coach, which is awesome because the average, um, if you have health insurance, it's 15 minutes you know, a year that you get to spend with somebody. So that's 44 years of <laughs> doctor visits before you can sit down with an educator. So what they're doing is they're having people invest in their own wellness. And I think that's the new model and it's awesome. And I wanna do incredible with it. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. So I want, it's, it's not a burden. It's something I want to do with my life. Um, ironically, I don't have health care right now, <laughs> technically, um, so, but, um, you know, we'll, uh, that will sort itself out, and yeah, IDM is amazing. So for people that don't know, idmprogram.com is Megan Ramos and Jason, Dr. Jason Fong's program. And Larry recently left his full-time position to become a full-time health coach with the IDM program. Is that correct? 
yeah, it'll it'll be in the new year. So we're recording this in uh, December, early December. And uh, I'm, you know, IDM. I, it's not privy for me to share, but there's been, they're they're growing by leaps and bounds, and and people are reaching out to them. And Jason and Megan are amazing. I've got to meet both of them, and talk about flack that we might get when we go low carb, healthy fat from relatives and stuff. They got so much flack professionally and people just every day, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? And now they're being invited to conferences all over the world. Megan's having to turn them down because otherwise um, she'd be traveling all the time. So they, they could see how this was transforming first Megan's own life. She has an incredible healing journey. And then they were seeing day after day the, the, um, success it was having with thousands of patients and they have gotten better and better and refined things and they're very contextually driven and it's an amazing thing to see it's not n equals everyone and there's one type of fast it's very individual context driven and uh, so yeah it's it's i'm i'm thrilled to be part of it that's amazing. So Larry, one more quick question. We, we kind of try and get this from everyone as we go through. So obviously the website for us, um, fastinglane.com is about, um, we focus heavily on keto, but also intermittent fasting as, as a way to start that. And you're right when you say that like there is no one blanket set of things to do, but if somebody wanted to get started with um, low carb and or intermittent fasting, like what's, what's the first step to take to start that journey. If they're just waking up this morning and thinking, right. my God, it's, it's New Year's. I've made my New Year's resolution to be healthier. I have no idea where to start. What's, what's the first step they could take? Yeah, so what's interesting, I didn't do um, what Eve did. I kind of gradually did it. So this is, gonna be, this is gonna be <laughs> my confirmation. There's no one way because people have different personalities. So it should be congruent with your personality. If you're like that, I'm gonna do it and all in and that's your personality, then work with it, right? Know yourself. If that's what keeps you motivated for a life change, do that. But one of my um, go-tos is to just have no carbs for breakfast for a couple weeks. Have bacon, like eggs, avocado, and then observe when you become hungrier. If, if that improves your mornings, if that improves your mental clarity if you can go to lunch rather than have to eat again at nine or ten just make that one change maybe keep lunch and dinner the same get that win under your belt right a lot of people need an initial win so yeah i was able to give up my toast and cereal and and skim milk i didn't make this up but i love it somebody called skim milk the devil's urine because it, it tastes <laughs> yeah, I thought you guys would like that. Oh, so Larry, never be able to forget that. So you're welcome, every podcast listener. You're welcome. Yes, that is the amazing. Okay, Larry, learn. thank yeah. you so much for joining yeah. us. Um, <laughs> what are the best places for people to go and find you online? My biggest, um, where I'm most regularly at, is Twitter, and uh, it's Nature Boy RR. I live in Round Rock. So Nature Boy was taken, and that very <laughs> much works with um, the whole lifestyle medicine, you know, living more congruent with 
how humans naturally live until the last hundred years or so is really powerful medicine. So Nature Boy RR, I'm Nature Boy RR on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, although I'm mostly on Twitter and I just started a website, it's not built yet, and, but it's on Facebook, Healthy Happy AF. So people know what AF stands for. Oh yeah, so I love it. Healthy Happy AF, but mostly on Twitter right now. Perfect. Great. Well, thank you. And important question, as our honored guest today, will you be going for the gray is butter a carb life in the fasting lane t-shirt or the black DTF down to fast life in the fasting lane t-shirt? Oh, since I grew up in LA and, uh, you know, uh, and kind of, uh, and my wife likes me in black. She's always complimenting me when I wear uh, a black shirt, I'm going to have to go with the DTF, but that's a Perfect. hard decision. That's a hard <laughs> Fabulous. We got you covered. Well, Larry, thank you so much. And take us out, Levi. Thank you so much, Larry. Really appreciate it. And we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Let us know when your website is up and we'd be happy to uh, make mention of that as well. Everybody else, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Check us out on fastinglane.com and on Twitter and Instagram at fastinglane. To your health and hotness. Thanks for tuning in to the live